Hi, this is John Ozanting, lead pastor of Evolve Church, and this is the Evolve Church podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope that you find today's message encouraging and full of hope for wherever you're at. Let's, let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for building your church. It's wild to me that the one thing you're actively doing in our lifetime is growing your bride, building your church. And we, your people, stand here from a place of submission, surrender to the work that you long to do. Our hearts echo the words of Jesus today. Your will be done. Your kingdom come here in Edmonton as it is in heaven. And so we just open up our hearts and our lives to the faithful work of your spirit. As Shane invites us into scripture, we trust that it's alive and active and at work and that you want to speak to each life in the room today. God, we celebrate and honor the gift that is Pastor Shane Johnston. And we say thank you for the word that you've given him to share today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I didn't say you could sit down, but whatever. Uh, it's really, really fun to be with you. Uh, you are extended family to us. We pray for you. Um, it's, there's somebody on the other side of that pole over there. I'm going to have to come see you uh, as well and just check out who's where. I just want to pause for a minute, just enjoy your faces. Can I honor your pastors first? Um, they are, knowing them has, has changed our lives already. Like, give you, give you, this is a small example. Like, there's more significant things than this. But recently, I said to my three-year-old son, Wylan, I said, Wylan, who do you want to have at your next birthday party? And he said, Mommy, Daddy, Pastor Jono. It's like, son, you better invite your sisters before you get to Pastor Jono. You understand me? <laughs> Our family loves your family, your pastors, your kids. They look up to them. Our kids are, you could throw up the picture of my kids for just a second. They are eight, six, and three. There they are. So in the middle there, we got Avia. She's eight. And, and then we have Alencia. She's six. And then we got Wyland. He is three. And, uh, and, and Caleb's been telling me, Caleb Zanting has been telling me he wants to get a perm. And so I think that if you, you can't really tell right there, but Wyland, he's leading a new fashion trend in the nation. He's bringing it back. We did not perm our three-year-old. Don't go thinking. It, ha- it didn't happen. He's got beautiful curly hair. Hey, I want to honor your pastors. I don't know that you can truly comprehend how much they carry in the nation for other pastors. You're three and a half years into your church plant. It is still a church plant. You are still a fledgling baby church just growing up. And kind of, you kind of move from like the, the baby's room into the, into the walker's room. You know what I'm saying? In the kids' ministry. That's where you're at right now. And already God has established Pastor Jono and Pastor Nicole as spiritual mom and dad to many other pastors in the nation. And so this week when we were at ARC conference, they were up on the platform. They were leading services. They were guiding and just through these holy moments and And there are many pastors in the nation of new and young churches and even some old churches that look to you 
as their pastors and their shepherds. That's a gift and a calling on their life, and we celebrate that in them. Yeah, you can go ahead and give them, give them honor today. And uh, they, they uh, taught an app session, and an app session is simply a breakout session on how to talk to strangers. And I, I think that if you've met your pastor, you have a good sense that he's good at this. Let me show you another picture. I gotta tell you a little story here. So this is Pastor John. Last year, around August, I think it was, we went for a meetup of pastors in Washington, D.C. with some friends of ours, and we finished the couple days together, and, and you and I said we should rent a car and drive to New York, because why would we want to go home to the chaos? Let's just stay out, let our wives deal with it all. Let's just drive up to New York and play around for a little bit. And so we drove up to New York, and so we, this is the day we arrived. We arrived about 3.30 in the afternoon. This is now after midnight. We have been doing Manhattan hardcore for about eight hours. But what's amazing about Pastor Jono and Nicole is that, you, uh, is that you move around places a little bit slower than you otherwise would, because there is so much talking to people. I love people more than most people love people. I, I, I love talking to strangers more than most people love talking to strangers. Pastor John, so here he is. He struck up a conversation with the guys that sell high-end sneakers out of a BMW trunk in lower Manhattan. Right there, I think he's texting Nicole to see how much money he has for sneakers. It's like, it's the trunk sneaker guys. And he's, but it wasn't just the sneakers. He did want a size 13, but it's that everywhere he goes, yesterday we were in the mall. I left him for a minute. I come back. He's talking to some guy that's selling shirts. He's talking to him about the Trinity. I'm like, how did you get to the Trinity in 30 seconds? So we, we honor you. Here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing. That's not just something they do. That's who they are. It's a big difference, isn't it? They love people. They, they pray for you. They see gold inside you that you don't see inside yourself yet. They believe that God brought you to this family on assignment and on purpose. You might have just shown up to church today feeling like you're sitting in the back row, that you are the riffraff. You might even delight in being the riffraff. They believe in you. They believe in God's call on your life. Pastor John said in the front row right there, he said, we love you, riffraff. Come on, somebody. I'm going to come at you, riffraff, but he's going to love you. Before we get into a message that I believe that God has stirred my heart to speak today, I just want to tell you a little bit of, of my story. I think it'll help us, help you to understand why I'm really passionate about the topic and the scriptures that I'm about to read today. So here's a little bit of my backstory on the journey that led to us getting to hang out here today. So when I started, my first career was in music. I played bass guitar. What a wonderful job you did today. Come on, what's up? Was it Tim? Tom? Tim? Ken? I knew it was three letters and there was an N, but what? Nailed it. You did a great job, Ken. It's... And God was stirring my heart for people that were far from Jesus. I'd grown up sheltered, Christian home, and it was in that space that God wrecked me. I started to lead people to Jesus for the first time in my life. All of a sudden, the dream of my life became, I just want to be around people that don't know Jesus, and I want to lead them closer to him. Fast forward from there, I met Rachel, my, my wife. We began to kind of plan out the rest of our lives. I wanted to do something in business, and, and so I went, and I got my, my degree, and then I went on to become a chartered accountant, and, but we felt God had put some ministry in 
on our lives. Not that I wanted to be on staff at a church, but just to do a lot more ministry than just the average chartered accountant would do. And so the dream of my heart was, no offense to chartered accountants, but you work hard, there's a lot of hours, and I thought, no, that's not my plan. I wanna do a lot of ministry. And so we decided that the best way, rather than try to like trickle in a little bit of ministry, and I'm not saying you need to do this, this was the call of God, but the dream that was in our hearts was I would take two years and just go fully volunteer at my church. Come on, you're like looking at this, you're like, God, speak to some people in the room right now. Just <laughs> some CA in the room. You're like, you're, d- you're done. You start, you start at Evolve next week. So, so, but the problem was, as we neared the place where this dream was about to come to pass for us, my hands went numb from overuse. I would need multiple surgeries. I mean, I could go on with the story. I couldn't wear long sleeves for years. There was so much nerve pain. I wish Rachel were here to tell the story. She would cut my food. I was a newly married young man, and I began to wonder, how will I ever provide for my family? I remember asking God, God, what could I do for the kingdom if I can't even use my hands? God, I didn't see myself as a speaker. I remember driving one day to rehab at the at the pool in Langley, and I remember saying to God, I remember saying, God, could you use my voice? There was this dream inside of us, and and it seemed dead, and it seemed dormant, because how could we do this now? But Rachel said to me one day in our 400-square-foot apartment, is your long-term disability benefits our provider, that thing I was holding on to? I didn't want to quit my job anymore, because what if I can't ever get this job again? How will I then provide for my family? And she said, is, it, is that our provider or is God our provider? I was like, hello, woman of faith. <laughs> so I went into my boss's office. And I, I said, Peter, it's time for me. I'm going to quit my job. He had no foresight. He had no idea this was coming. I said, I'm going to quit. I'm leaving to go volunteer at my church for two years. He was not a Christian man. He, he was looking at me like I was insane. He said, you are committing career suicide. And he said, how are you going to continue to rehab? How are you, you don't have any benefits anymore. How are you going to pay for your food, for your family? You don't have any income anymore. And I said, Peter, I'm a man of faith. I'm going to trust God. He looked at me across his desk. He was not a Christian, nor was he a generous man. He did not have time to plan for this or talk to the other partners in the firm. He looked at me across the desk and he said to me, and I kid you not, I want to keep paying you. So I felt like taking the money and running. You know what I'm saying? Like it was a little bit like one of those moments. But, but I felt a pause in my heart. And I felt like with integrity, I can't receive this if he's doing it to get me to come back one day. And so I looked across the desk and I said, Peter, I think you might be doing that because you think I'm a good employee and you want me to come back and do this again. And so you're kind of trying to hold on to me. And if you'd be doing it for that reason, I couldn't receive it because I actually don't know if I'm coming back again. I didn't see myself working in a church, but I just felt like I needed to have integrity. He said, I don't think you're coming back. I just want to keep paying you. So I went to volunteer at our church, clean toilets, work with the youth ministry, wipe snotty noses, whatever they needed me to do. I was getting paid a lot more than the pastors. It was amazing. (laughs) Eventually... At the end of the two years, I was ready to go back to business, and my pastor said to me, would you ever think about ministry? My immediate answer was no. And the Lord paused me, arrested my heart in that moment, and said, don't bury a gift. Don't stand before me and have one when I gave you one, or two when I gave you two, or five when I gave you five, if you know the reference in Scripture to the story of the talents. And I said to him, but I never want to bury a talent God gave me, so if, if you thought that maybe I should do that, They would eventually go look for a pastor, and I said, okay, I better apply. I applied. They hired me. A few years later, my pastor said to me, I think there's a church inside of you. And five years ago, we started Resonate Church. 
just outside Vancouver, British Columbia. And I share all that story because the message I have for you today is called It's Time to Dream Again. You see, when my hands went numb through overuse, I went through a two-year depression. At times, I would honestly tell you that I never contemplated suicide, but I definitely knew in my heart, like, I just don't want this life anymore. And one of the things that God used to get me through was constantly elevating my expectations that there could be a future that looked different than the moment I was standing in. Today, I want to speak a message to you, Evolve Church, called It's Time to Dream Again. And what that might mean for you is that today or this week or this year, at some point, God might give you a picture of a future vision that he has for your life. But I don't know that that's for everybody. What this message is for everyone in this room is it's time to raise up your expectations again because maybe you've stopped asking God for miracles maybe you've stopped believing for God to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think maybe you think that you are just the riffraff in the room today but I came from Vancouver I left behind resonate church that I love and is my baby and my kids I came to be with you of all family to challenge you to begin to dream again I want to talk for the next few minutes about three things number one why it's important to dream a God dream number two how do I get a God dream? And number three, how do I know if this actually is a God dream? Are you with me? Three things. Here we go. Number one, why do I believe that dreaming matters? Here's the first thought. Dreams revive. Dreams revive. Psalm 126 verse one says this. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Notice the footnote from my Bible. I've included it there for you. It says, we were like those Say this with me, restored to health. Why would the footnote of Psalm 126 verse 1 that says that when God brought back a group of exiles, so watch this, a group of people whose dreams had been delayed, dormant, maybe even were dead, some people who'd been through a season of dryness, some people who'd been through a season of disconnect, come on somebody, when God brought them back, hello, we were like those who, say it with me, dreamed. Why would the footnote say that we were like those restored to health? Here's the reason why. This is fascinating to me. This is good. This is going to be good for your soul. In the Old Testament, the word for dreaming and the word for health is interchangeable. And what God wanted you to know was that one of the ways that he restores your soul and he brings you out of exile and he puts you back on your feet again is to give you a God dream. Oh, I'm going to need a little bit of help, Evolved Church. I don't know if you came ready to dream today, but, but anybody else find it hard to dream right now? Anybody else feel like their dreamer's a little bit broken? Come on, Chris, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're a big dreamer, but I'm a big dreamer. But I've gone a couple years where I'm like, I would just kind of like to make it through Sunday. I'd be cool if I could just make it through the week. I don't really want to dream about a, a building for Resonate Church. Come on, I coached your pastor, and then they just whooped our butts and got a building way before we did, and I just love it in Jesus' name. I don't want to, every time it comes to that, I got a two-hour window in my calendar on Tuesdays every week to work on the Resonate Church building that we don't have yet, but to just talk to people and to be out and just do it. Every time that two-hour window comes, you know what I tell myself? Oh, I think I'm just going to read scripture and just kind of, I don't want to dream right now. It's too hard to dream right now. I just need to make it through another week. Here's why this matters so much. 
Did you know that one of the ways we all got through what we were going through was we all lowered our expectations? You know, there are studies. My wife is a, a counselor. She's a therapist. She's much smarter than I am. She is the velvet hammer. You're lucky she's not here. <laughs> there are studies that say that those who have low expectations are happier in the short run. You're like, well, this is, this is weird. Why is he talking about low expectations and happiness? Well, because people with low expectations don't have to go through the disappointment of something not happening. Wow. So when you find yourself in an exile seasons, one of the ways you adapt to cope with it and to deal with the disappointments that you've been experiencing is you naturally lower your expectations. But those same studies that say that that will lead to more happiness in the short run also say that those who are most fulfilled in their lives in the long run, those who live the biggest, most fullest lives of great victories are those who have incredible expectations. And the reason is this, low expectations might keep you from disappointment, but they will keep you from a mountaintop. And so again, I want to challenge us, evolve church family, it's time to dream again. It's time to raise up your expectations again. There is a mountaintop God has for you. God is saying, Evolve Church, I'm going to shake the room. I'm going to shake the ground. I want to shake up your life. But it's going to take you elevating your faith and beginning to believe again, beginning to pray. I talk to pastors right now who tell me, I've stopped praying for sick people. It just got difficult. It's time to dream again. Why? Dream a God dream, number one, because dreams will revive you. Come on, say everybody say, dreams revive. Dreams revive. Here's a second thought. Well, how do I get a God dream? <clears throat> how do I get a God dream? It would seem to me that a dream is up to God and I can't control whether God gives me a dream. So what can I do to get a God dream? But there are some things that you can do to have a God dream in your life. And so we're going to go to Genesis chapter 28, one of the most famous dream chapters in all of the Bible. It's a dream of a young man by the name of Isaac. We're going to get to the content of his dream in a minute. But first, I want to kind of rewind to before he had the dream to see what happens at the beginning of this chapter. Genesis 28, verses 1 and 2 says, Then Isaac, it's Jacob's dad, he called Jacob, and he <clears throat> blessed him, and he directed him. So it's a father-son conversation. I have these with Wyland all the time. He's three, so it's not quite like the one you're about to see here. It's usually just like, Wyland, don't hit your sisters. Wyland, don't start the car and try and drive into that building. That happened recently. My wife, the Velvet Hammer, who is very smart, taught our three-year-old how to start the car. It's a story we'll leave right there. <clears throat> Jacob's a little older, and so the content of the conversation is a little further ahead. And watch this. He blessed and directed him. I love that. That's good leadership. A leader that wants to bless you, they love you, but they're also willing to direct you. Come on, somebody. I thank God for Pastor John and Nicole. They are those kind of leaders. They will bless you, and they will challenge the fire out of you. I think you should be thankful for that. They won't just love you and leave you. No, they will love you and fire you up and challenge you. That's a good leader right there. He said, don't take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Padam Aram. His dad is saying to him, listen, God's got something for you, but if you're going to get it in your life, you've got to change something up right here. 
Let me tell you a little story from our family recently about having to change something up. You realize you just come to these moments where you're like, something has got to change. You ever have those conversations in your house? Something's got to change. So our, our, our kids can sleep through the night. However, up until recently, we allowed them to come into our room and wake us up and say, I want to cuddle. And it's because I've been told these moments don't last forever. You saw how cute they are. Come on, like, how are you going to say no to that? They come in, they wake us up. So this one night, our oldest came into the room, and she, she woke me up, and she said, Daddy, I need a cuddle. I was, I was in a deep sleep. I mean, a deep, deep sleep. I startle, I get up. I, f- I go to their room, and I realize as I'm on my way there that there's no white noise, and, and our kids sleep with white noise. Pastor John would know. We've, we've stayed in a bunch of hotel rooms together over the years. You would know I'm a white noise guy. You introduced me to pink noise, which was a fabulous change in my life. <laughs> I get, I know. Yeah, good dreams. And I realized there was no white noise in their room. Does Pastor John walk around this much? I don't think so. The camera people are just like, this is insane. (laughs) Stay on the carpet. God, tell me these things beforehand. I will bless you and challenge you. In Jesus' name, stay on the carpet. Really? Someone's waving me off the carpet. There's the riffraff right over here. Riffraff. I found him. Um, so I go to the room. There's no white noise. And I'm like, I got to find a laptop or a phone or something because I got to get some white noise for these kids. They won't sleep. Maybe that's why they woke up. And so I go to the office. There's no laptop for white noise. And I'm, I'm like, oh, I think my laptop is in the car. And so I go, I'm wearing nothing but pajama pants, and I go out to the car. I don't have contacts in or glasses on. I'm stumbling in the road. There are people that go to our church that live right near us, a whole bunch of them. I'm like, they're going to drive by at 3 a.m. and be like, there's our pastor with no shirt on, stumbling in the road in the middle of the night. I get the laptop. I go back in. I put on the white noise. I, I sleep, but it's just it's not a good sleep because my sleep got woke, uh, interrupted. And so that next morning, Rachel comes downstairs, and I want empathy. My wife is a therapist. She is so good at giving empathy to everyone but me. I mean, she's incredible. <laughs> I'm looking for some empathy. I'm like, oh, come on. I said, babe, I had a tough sleep last night. It woke me up for a cuddle. And she is looking at me like she is snarling at me. Like, what is going on? Where's my empathy? I said, babe, they woke me up in the middle of the night. I go sleep with her. She said, they did not. I said, what are you talking about? Of course they did. I went up and I went. She said, I'll tell you what happened. You ever in an argument with your spouse and you realize they are way more sure about what happened than you are? (laughs) She says, the kids came into the room and did indeed wake us up and say that they wanted a cuddle. You got up, went down to the car with no shirt like a crazy man, All three of them were in our bed with me. You went and slept on your own in their room. I hope you slept well. (laughs) Looking for empathy. You realize I tell all that to say, first of all, husbands, you think you're doing a lot. She's doing more. That's the one thing. (laughs) Secondly, to say that sometimes it just leads to these conversations like something needs to change, and I believe it's the same in your life right now. 
that if we're gonna raise up our expectations, if we're gonna see God shake the ground in our lives, I believe God is speaking that over Evolve Church. It's time to build again. Come on, you're already growing again. You're already building again. But I'm talking about next level. You've never seen it before. Grow again. And God is saying, but if we're gonna get there, you're gonna, you can't just do what you've always done and expect things to change. No, it's gonna take some creativity. It's gonna take you getting involved and invested. Maybe you've been in the back row for a while and it's time and God's saying it's time to change some things up. If you want the God dream that's gonna wake you up, It's going to take changing some things up. Watch this verse 10. It says, Jacob then left Beersheba and went to Haran. So he was faithful. Notice, he was faithful to the last thing that God had given him to do. And it's only then that the God dream comes. You see, God will give you a big dream about the future, but he will not give you a dream about the future that takes your eyes off being faithful today. Some of us want to dream because we don't want to do the last little thing that we got asked to do. That's sometimes why I go to God and ask for a dream. Because there was something he asked me to do that I didn't even want to do. God says, hey, hey, Jacob, what'd you do with the last little thing I asked you to do? If you want to dream a God dream, you got to be faithful in the little things. I'm talking about faithful and serving in, in the house at Evolved Church. I'm talking about faithful in that job that feels like a dead-end job. You say, but it's a dead-end job. Why am I going to show up and give my best? Why am I going to show up with a good attitude? I'm talking about walking in there like I own the place. I'm so excited to be here. Like, bro, it's a dead-end job. But yeah, God's got me here for a season. i got to be faithful in this before he can unlock a bigger God dream for the next season. Faithful in the little things. How do we get a God dream? Number, number one, why it's important because it's going to revive us, but how do we get it? We gotta, you might have to change something up, take a next step in the direction of faithfulness and be faithful to the last little thing God said to do. So rewinding back to our story of where like my boss paid me, talking about faithful to the last little thing. I don't share this to pump us up. This had a lot more to do with Rachel's faith than mine, I'll be honest with you. But before I went into my boss's office to quit my job and go volunteer at my church, we were $30,000 in debt. We had $3,000 in the bank, and we felt like God said, give it all away. Usually when Rachel and I pray about how much to give to something, I say usually all the time, she is double my number. I'm pretty sure that I prayed about it and came up with 1,500, and Rachel prayed up and said, it's three grand, babe. It's everything we got. And so we did. And I'm not telling you to give away everything you have. You're like, Pastor, is that what you're saying? No. Unless you have an angel show up at your house and tell you to give away everything, I do not want that burden on my shoulders that you gave away everything without God asking you to. But we knew God had asked us to. We gave it faithful in the little things before God unlocked the biggest miracle we'd ever seen. So number one, God wants to revive you. Number two, how do I get a God dream? And number three, how do I test if this dream is from God? Pastor, I've got a dream. I don't know, is it from God? How do I test it out? Let's read the content of Jacob's dream and line up our dreams with the outline that we're about to see in Genesis 28, verse 13. God says, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. I don't know if this is a prophetic word, but 
the land that we are on right now is leased. I know I pray regularly that it will be owned in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I believe we see in these two short verses a three-point outline on how you test if the dream is from God. Everybody say three. Three. Three-point test. Here we go. The first thing we see is God says, I will. I love this. God says, I will give you. Don't you love the first part of a God dream is God promising generosity? I don't know what you think about the God that we serve when he hung on the cross with his arms spread wide open. The Bible said that God so loved the world. Come on, we serve a generous God. God says, I will. He starts the dream with what he wants to do. I love that. Here's how you test if your dream is from God. Does it require God to be God? Does it require an I will from God? If our dream is something we could accomplish in our own strength, dare I say, let's get back to the drawing board, back to the prayer closet and say, God, I'm ready to dream again something that goes beyond my own ability. I'm ready to believe for something impossible. You got to line up your dream with the outline of a God dream. It's like when you tried to forge a note in high school. You know what I'm talking about? And they took your note and they compared it to your dad's signature. I don't have time to tell that story, but... They will find out if it doesn't match. (laughs) Line it up with Jacob's dream. Here we go. God says, I will. Secondly, God says, you will. Of course, we realize this. Can't have a a dream that doesn't require us to do anything. Sometimes we just want to dream. Be like, okay, God, you figure it out. You do it. You work the miracle. It's like me with the building for Resonate Church. And I don't want to do my two, I don't want to do my part. But God says, come on, get engaged. You got to work your part of this equation. You will. You got a responsibility. You got a next step to take. You got next steps happening. How's it it work for next steps? Tuesday the 21st is next step. Somebody put that in your calendar right now. Say you want a God dream faithful to the last little thing God gave you to do. When is it? Tuesday the 21st. What time is it? You got to put it in your calendar. 6.30 a.m. No, I'm just checking. Uh, P.m., 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 p.m. Right here. Tuesday the 21st. Take that next step. That's that part for you. You will. I will, you will. Here's the best part. God says all peoples. Can I get my keyboardist to come back, help me out for a minute? All peoples. All peoples. We are so good at dreaming in self. Remember when you were a kid and it's like game seven, McDavid, you know. Sorry, guys, you know. (laughs) Maybe, maybe it's an Olympic dream. You know, we dream in self. I'm thankful for all the Canadian girls that have Olympic dreams because I don't know if you noticed the last time we had an Olympics, we don't have any men that win anything in this country. But thank God for the girls with Olympic dreams. Nothing wrong with a dream like that. It's just not a God dream. Because the subject of a God dream is never you. subject of a God dream is always all the peoples. God's sons and daughters that aren't in the room right now. God's sons and daughters battered by the world without hope, without life. All peoples. 
while back. Rachel sent me a text message. She said, hey, did, did Abby get an invitation to so-and-so's birthday party? And I have been known to forget a thing or two. So before texting back, I scrolled through my, searched my emails, searched my text messages, checked my calendar. I had nothing about this birthday party. So I can confidently say to Rachel, no, I didn't, I didn't hear anything. As I sent that text message back to Rachel, it hit me the situation that we were likely dealing with was that all of her friends had received an invitation that she had not received. And I was ready to be that dad. I was ready to drive over to their house, grab the shirt of the father, twist it. I was going to bring Pastor Jonna with me because I know I see some of you looking at me like, I don't believe you. I was ready to be that dad. Then I called Rachel up and I realized that I was going to need to be the stable parent because <laughs> she was talking about fighting the mom. I said, whoa, I better not be. I better not be the one on the edge right now. Because not only had Abby not received an invitation to the party, they had forgotten to give out the party favors at the party, and so they were brought to school. And my wife watched as every girl in her class but Abby was given a bag of toys and candy. slouched down in my office chair. The Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, what you feel in your heart right now is something I feel all the time. Because I got a son on your street that needs an invitation to the party. I got a daughter on your street that needs an invitation to the party. I don't want you to miss them. I don't want you to dream in self. I want you to dream all peoples. I don't want you to narrow your understanding of what could happen through your life for the kingdom of God because of the spirit of God in you. I don't want you to think that evangelism on the street is just for your pastors who are great at it. I want you to have a dream for all peoples. I don't want, Evolve Church does not exist to throw parties for Evolve Church. Evolve Church exists to make sure nobody misses an invitation to the party. And so I'm going to invite you all over this room to stand to your feet right now. I'm going to invite you to hold up your hands before God. If you want to have raised expectations again, come on, raise up your hands and say, God, elevate my expectations. God, begin to allow me to believe on another level. God, forgive me for stopping believing in the big things. God, forgive me that I've stopped asking for the impossible. Forgive me that I've lowered my expectations to the moment we've been through. I raise them back up to the level of the God who rebuilds ruins, who rebuilds walls, who rebuilds cities. More importantly, who rebuilds lives. God, I want to raise up my expectations again. God, I, I want to dream, God. Some of you, you don't feel qualified. You don't feel qualified to have a God dream. Come on, I just want to break off that mindset. That is a lie of the enemy to keep you small when God has called you to be a world changer. Come on, God has called you to rebuild his church, to rebuild lives. We don't need anybody on the sidelines thinking that they don't need a dream. Come on, if you dream for somebody else, everybody needs a dream in this place. 
there's a son and there's a daughter on your street. I'm just believing the Holy Spirit right now, just giving you new thoughts in place of the old thoughts that you've had, that I can't dream, that I can't be a part of the work God wants to do. Come on, God is giving you new thoughts. I take authority over that lie in the name of Jesus, that it is defeated in your mind, that you can begin to dream again, that you can have blue sky days again. Come on, this message is for you. Some of you, you just know that that faithfulness piece is the thing. You've been walking it. Some of you, you've been walking in faithfulness. And, and I love hearing the stories about you. Some of you, I know your names. You've been faithful through this season. And I believe you're standing right on the edge of a new God dream. Might even be this week. Come on, God just sent me here to begin to, to, to just wake you up to dreaming again. Come on, that's interesting. Wake you up to dreaming. But that's what God's doing. But some of you, you know the reason that you haven't had the dream and the expectations again. It's that you haven't been faithful to the last thing. Come on, God's just, he's loving you back. He's saying, come on, get that next step. Faithfulness. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If you're ever in the Edmonton area, pop by for a visit. And if you need any more information, visit evolvechurch.com. We hope to see you soon. Thank you.